What's going on, guys? This is ACCBR number 31. I appreciate you guys joining me for a beautiful Labor Day weekend. Uh, you guys are going to have to bear with me a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather this weekend. I've got a pretty nasty cold slash sinus infection slash chest infection, something. But uh, I was able to put a pretty good show together for today. Um, pretty excited about getting out to you. A lot of recruiting news, and we're going to continue our ACC projections. I am Michael Hunter. This is ACCBR. How's it going, guys? This is Labor Day weekend, 2018. Uh, first weekend of September. Recruiting is starting to heat up for us a little bit. I've uh, seen a lot of official visits coming out. Uh, class of 2019 is cutting down their official lists. Um, some guys down to 12, some guys down to 5, um, even one down to 4 that I read recently. Um, biggest thing I want to talk about real quick is get the recruiting news out of the way. Um, real quick though, don't forget to like, rate, review, share, uh, tell everyone, you know, retweet the podcast on Twitter, get the word out about ACCBR. I think the show has gotten better, uh, over the last six months. I've actually had a few people on Twitter contact me and tell me that they're actually enjoying the show a lot more than when I did it when I first started out. Uh, I've obviously become a little more comfortable with it, so it's becoming easier and easier to do each week. If you enjoy the pod, check out my other thoughts on slapassign.com, accbasketballreport.com, and gtswarm.com. Also, still looking for contributors to accbasketballreport.com. Um, for any details, go ahead and get at me on Twitter uh, or contact me at accbasketballreport at gmail.com. Uh, good way to up your profile, um, put some pieces out. I will edit the pieces myself, but I am not heavy-handed on editing. I will give you the voice that you're, you're looking to put out there, and I will not uh, take away any teeth <laughs> that you may put in each article. Getting on to the uh, the red meat of the episode, recruiting news. Cole Anthony uh, cuts his list down to 12. I'm typically not a huge fan of uh, recognizing recruits that cut down to 12. I mean, if you're going to cut your list, cut it to eight, cut it to five, set some official visits and let's get down to it. I, I, I'm always of the opinion that it's more of a look at me thing than anything. Um, the, the, the final visits, the official visits are usually what interests me. Cutting down to eight, that, that typically interests me. But when you go from 30 down to 12, I mean, sure, it, you know, it gets some of the riffraff out of the way for you. But, I mean, you can do that without making the announcement. Obviously, he's the son of uh, former UNLV legend, Greg Anthony. Uh, Duke, Louisville, Miami, UNC, Notre Dame, Pitt, and Wake Forest all make the cut. So, it is looking increasingly likely that this kid's going to end up in the ACC. Now, I, I think at this point, we all know Duke is probably the heavy favorite. This kid's considered a combo guard, but I think he's probably going to be a lead guard in college. Uh, personally, I think he ends up at one of the Blue Bloods. Whether that's Duke or not, I'm not sure. Obviously, um, uh, Villanova, Kentucky, Kansas also all made the cut. So you got Nova, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, UNC, all five Blue Bloods, or at least the five that I consider to be Blue Bloods, still involved in this race. And honestly, I, you know, I, I think it's down to those five. I, I would be shocked to see 
some people outside of that get get the official visits, and I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't I haven't heard one way or the other whether or not he's a an early signing or a late signing. My gut says since it's uh, September and we're down to twelve instead of eight or five that he's going to be a spring signee. So Duke does lead in the crystal ball. You know, take that for what it's worth. But he's you know maybe the best player in this class. Um, some opinions may differ on that, but as far as backcourt players, I think there's no doubt that Cole Anthony is the best player in this class, and it's looking incredibly likely that he's going to end up in the ACC. Uh, Vernon Carey names his Final Five and also set all his visits. Uh, Duke gets the first crack for ACC schools on October 18th. Miami gets him on October 26th. UNC gets him on November 2nd. Kentucky and Michigan State round out Vernon's Final Five. Uh, Marcus Watson, top 50 player in the 2019 class, 6'6 swing guide. Uh, I'm sorry, swing man uh, slash guard, wing player. Uh, has named his final 10 earlier in August and set has set and began his official visits. He was at uh, Boston College this weekend. He will visit Georgia Tech on the 21st of September. Also, he will visit uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Right now, GT leads in the crystal ball, but there's only two predictions in, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, something of note that I just found out the other day is he's actually the, the cousin of Oklahoma State head coach, um, uh, Mike Boykin, or Mike Boynton, sorry, which is interesting. I did not know that. Texas Tech... I wouldn't put anything by Chris Beard right now. Uh, he plays a fun style, and he's recruiting the shit out of people at, at a Lubbock. So, you know, some stiff competition for this kid. He's a good player. Um, not a great outside shooter, but he can rebound the ball. When he gets in the open court, he is a freight train. When he gets downhill and gets into the lane, he finishes with a tremendous amount of authority. And, uh, you know, he's just he's, he's a player that obviously, as a Georgia Tech fan, I'm pretty high on. Um, interesting to see him at, at Boston College. Uh, Chris Cheeks has done a hell of a job um, getting Boston College in position to actually uh, land an official visit with Watson. Whether or not he ends up there, I have my doubts. But, uh, you know, obviously that speaks to, I think, the direction in which Boston College is headed. Um, I think that program is on the rise in the ACC. Um, PJ Fuller has cut his list to eight. For those of you who don't know, um, I haven't talked about him a whole lot on ACCBR, if ever, maybe. Uh, number 59 player in the country is about a 6'4 shooting guard out of Finlay. Um, Florida State's the only ACC school that makes the cut. It'll be interesting to see whether or not they get an official visit. Uh, his his uh, his final eight is kind of all over the map. Um, he did take one of his official visits to t- uh, Texas Christian this weekend. Um, Washington currently favored in the crystal ball with four out of five picks, I believe. So looking like he may stay on the West Coast. I think he's a kid out of, yeah, Finley, Las Vegas. Robbie Barron, uh, also on an official visit this weekend to Georgia Tech. Uh, he's the number 49 ranked player according to 24-7 Sports. Big time riser this summer, rose 35 spots, I believe, in the rankings over the summer session. Um, other official visits currently scheduled are K-State later this month, along with, again, Boston College, who has been uh, deemed one of the programs that's been in on him the longest, and they actually have a pick uh, on the crystal ball as well. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, a seven foot two center in the 2020 class, uh, will take an official visit to Notre Dame. Um, he's a top 20 recruit overall, uh, taking advantage of the new official visit rules, which, if you don't know, went from 5 to 15. Um, the way I can, I guess, break it down is the way I'm understanding it is you get five as a sophomore, five as a junior, five as a senior. So uh, before this other rule came into place, which this is part of the new rules that. Um, 
that came about a few weeks ago from the committee, this rule is actually went into effect immediately. So right now, kids have 15 official visits that they can take. Um, typically, oh, I'm not sorry, typically, according to the old rules, you couldn't a junior couldn't take an official visit before January 1st, but now they can take five over the course of their junior year and even five uh, during the course of their sophomore season. So um, whether or not that's good for Notre Dame, I'm not sure. I mean, so the kid basically has another year and a half and nine more official visits to go before he actually has to or, or would likely uh, commit. That's a long period of time and a lot of people to have following you. Unless you get the old uh, EA Sports insta-commit, um, I'm not feeling great about this uh, for Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame also, along with UNC, has scheduled official visits with uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, uh, top 20 recruit in the 2019 class power forward. Uh, he'll visit South Bend next weekend and visit UNC on 9-21. Kansas still favored in the crystal ball. And they will get the fourth visit, which also coincides with their Midnight Madness weekend. So it kind of sets up perfectly for Kansas to to get this commitment, which pretty much everybody expects at this point. <coughs> but, um, you know, it's... It, you never know. Once you get the kid on campus, anything can happen. So there, there's always that. Um Anthony Harris has some official visits coming up. Top 75 recruit, 6'3", combo guard. Virginia Tech next weekend. The Hurricanes on the t- weekend of the 28th. Wake Forest on the weekend of the 21st. I don't know why I have that backwards. When he goes to Wake Forest, he'll be, bo- uh, be joined by uh, New Yorker Ishmael Masood and Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Masood is another player to keep an eye on. He, I think he's probably going to stay in New York and go to Rutgers, but uh, he's a 6'8", 6'9", swingman who can really shoot the ball at a high level. So he's one to keep an eye on as far as Wake Forest and a number of other ACC schools. Uh, uh, Georgia Tech is also in his final five. Wendell Moore also scheduled to visit Wake Forest on the 28th. So he will be with... No, sorry, never mind. He, he'll be on there on the 28th. He's at NC State this current weekend. That's Wendell Moore, another top 100 player that more than likely is going to end up inside the ACC. Christian Brown is on campus this weekend for Clemson. Jalen Leck is all is on campus next weekend for NC State. For those of you who don't know, Jalen Leck is a phenomenal player. Um, he's a guy that had a knee injury, and some were worried about him. He was kind of an athlete. And when he came back from his knee injury, he came back with a f- just uh, ferocious intent, I guess would be the way to put him. He's just, he's a scary athlete. He's a big time player. I was really surprised to see that Kentucky did not make his list because they were seemingly going after him pretty hard. Um, it was it was strange to, to see them go after him and then him kind of rebuff their uh, their attempts to, to woo him. Uh, Quincy Gr- Guerrier. Uh, We'll visit Syracuse later this month. He's a guy that I really like. Had a really good summer. He's six 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 seven swing guy, um, a guy that you never really hear about, but is a really really talented player. Um, if I was a Syracuse fan, I would really really want him uh, to be a, a priority for Bayheim and, and the Syracuse program. Uh, Jalen Withers, another top 80, 90, top ninety player, uh, will visit Louisville next weekend. So. Uh, you know, a lot of big-time recruits showing a lot of interest to the ACC, which is pretty typical this time of year. Um, I think, you know, a lot of these names are likely to end up in the league in, uh, in our ACC, and that's that's why I chose them. Anthony Harris uh, seems to be picking up steam to Virginia Tech. That's that's one you really want to keep an eye on. Buzz Williams just recruiting the shit out of perimeter players during his time at Blacksburg. So, <clears throat> 
that's uh, that's recruiting. You guys want to know anything else or have my opinion on anything else, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. I'll gladly get that information out to you, um, or at least my opinion. Uh, like I said, I had a couple questions about Joe Girard the week, uh, week before last. So I'm more than happy to uh, take a look at it and see what I can find and, and relay that information to you guys. Um, let's continue now with... The ACC 2018-19 projections, um, these are just my projections that I wanted to get out of the way. I'm going to have to probably start doing these um, twice a week just so I make sure I get them all out. Um, I kind of waited a little bit too long to get them on the air. But uh, we did number 15 last week. That was Pittsburgh. I don't think that they're going to go winless in the league this year, but I don't think they're going to win any more than three games in the league this year. This week, number 14, uh, they hold a special place in my heart. Let me grab a uh, glass of water before I start uh, reaming on my own team. But it is, of course, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So, you know, I thought for a minute I was going to have to put them at 15. Um... But there is one player on this team right now that gives me hope that they'll be able to beat possibly the Pittsburghs in the Wake Forest of the league. But we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, key losses for Georgia Tech. This is uh, going to be Josh Passner's third season. Um, and shaping up to be a tougher one than we all thought when Passner took over the job. Certainly we didn't think that Josh Akogi was going to go pro after a sophomore season. Or at least some people didn't. Uh, Akogi averaged 18 points a game, six rebounds, two and a half assists as a sophomore, ended up being the number 20 overall draft pick in this year's NBA draft, which is, uh, crazy as far as what Passner and that, and that staff were able to do with Akogi considering what he was when he came out of high school. Now, could he have been undervalued coming out of high school? I absolutely think that was absolutely the case. I mean, this is a kid that still played for the CP3 AU team. He had some talent. But that program's also loaded with future NBA players. So, you know, he's playing fourth, fifth, sixth fiddle on that team. He's a high-motor guy, do-it-all guy, glue guy at that level. Um, playing with those kind of players, he gets to, uh, to GT and they give him the ball and say, go ahead. He went ahead. And, he, you know, he was he's going to go down as one of my favorite players in Georgia Tech history. Uh, ben Lammers, uh, you know, 6'10 center, averaged 11.7, 8.1 uh, rebounds and two and a half blocks a game. The biggest stat, I think, when it comes to Lammers is he averaged roughly 36 minutes per game his last two years at Georgia Tech. That is something you hardly ever see with big men. It's incredible. His ability to stay out of foul trouble obviously allowed him to do a a lot of that, but it's also a conditioning thing. Uh, Lammers took his conditioning very seriously, as well as as his timing and defensive positioning. And, uh, you know, the success that Passner had early on in his time at Georgia Tech this has a direct is a direct correlation of Ben Lammers and his ability to stay on the floor. Uh, the third key loss was obviously uh, senior shooting guard. Well, Latin, not a, not real emphasis on on shooting, but uh, Tadric Jackson, twelve point seven points per game, three and a half rebounds, two point two assists. Jax was a guy that um, he was an intriguing player because when he got hot, he's unstoppable. Okay, um, he's a six two. You know, maybe six three with shoes on, guard that can just fly. I mean, he you could look up his 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 highlight video on YouTube from his time at Georgia Tech. He's just a high riser. His brother was the same way at Virginia Tech, um, but you know, sometimes could also be a liability. Uh, taking threes early in the shot clock, taking ill advised looks. Um, but man, when he was hot, he was red hot, and you could almost always rely on him, especially his last two seasons in Atlanta. Um, before the half. 
if Georgia Tech has the ball and there's eight seconds left on the clock, you better keep your eye on Tadrick Jackson because he's going to score before that buzzer goes off. And he has, you know, he had a great way of getting down the floor and getting a decent look in a short period of time. Um, it was some other times when he almost had to, he, he mind fucked some stuff, just thought, you know, just thought about it too much instead of letting his instincts take over. Um, not a great shooter and never really improved during his time at Georgia Tech, but also one of the funnest players I've ever watched at Georgia Tech. Uh, those three players <clears throat> accounted for 65% of the scoring on a team that ranked 329th in the nation in points per game. So as a G-Tech fan, I'm really interested uh, to see what becomes of the offense this year. And, you know, we're going to talk about some key additions here in just a second, but when you lose three players the caliber of a Kogi, Lammers, and Jackson um, from a roster that already finished 13 and 19 last year, uh, it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough year, I think. But let's get down through this real quick. Uh, key additions. Obviously, the biggest addition here is a kid out of Montverde. Is, is it Montverde or Montverde? I've heard it said both ways. And I appreciate... Um, Mr. Schuster on uh, on Twitter for getting uh, Nate Lazuski uh, the the correct pronunciation of that name to me last week. I appreciate that. Uh, number fifty one ranked recruit in the nation, Mr. Devoe is uh, one of the the best shooters um, in in the in the two thousand and nineteen. I'm sorry, two thousand eighteen class. He's a southpaw. He's also looks to be going through a bit of a growth spurt. It could be just kind of some camera angles playing tricks on my eyes. But uh, he's a player that Georgia Tech fans are really excited about, rightfully so. Uh, another key addition, another freshman, Khalid Moore. Number 214 ranked recruit in the country out of New York City. I think that's a little low for Khalid. I really do. Um, haven't watched him play. I think he can have a real uh, positive effect on the game defensively as well as on the glass. He was high school teammates with Cole Anthony and Moses Brown. Moses Brown's a seven-footer that's going to UCLA this year. So he's kind of playing, you know, third fiddle on a team that has superstars on it. I mean, Anthony and Brown are just, you know, head and shoulders above most players in the rest of the country. So they get a lot of recognition for that. Moore was the third guy on that team and played very well. His outside shooting's coming along pretty well by the looks of it. I think he projects well as a future player for Georgia Tech and Josh Bassner. Uh, the third recruit, uh, third freshman recruit coming in is a kid named Kristen Sh uh, Sholand. I don't know if I pronounced that right. He's a six eight saw, uh, small forward out of Houston. Um, he's a kind of a again. He's, he's got that Nate Lazuski. I'm not going to call it the Nir Dirk Nowitzki game because Dirk Nowitzki is a fucking Hall of Famer. So I'm going to call it the Nate Lazuski game. If you see Nate Lazuski play this off season, uh, Christian plays a lot like that. Got a really nice stroke. Not really going to post up too much. He's kind of thin at six eight. He's only a buck ninety. Um, it comes from you know, I want to say Sweden, but I'm not sure that's correct. Maybe Switzerland. It may be neither. I don't really know. But um, this is a kid that he's kind of a project, but he has some raw talent. Um, he's got pretty good handles for a six eight six nine guy. I actually thought he was a little bit bigger than six eight. I almost think he's around six ten or six eleven now, but I could be wrong. Um, like I said, really nice shot. He's got a little step back move that he likes to use that looks really effective. Not really a post-up player. I haven't seen him do that a whole lot. He can protect the rim a little bit. I think help side more than more than uh, you know defending the block. I think he'd be a, more of a help side rim defender than a than a one-on-one -on -one, you know pin you up against the glass type guy. But he's a project player. He's a guy that 
you put with Eric Revenow, Coach Rev, um, and I think he's going to develop pretty nicely for Josh Pastner. Uh, another uh, key addition, I think, is going to be a transfer from Tennessee named Shambari Phillips. He played 64 games for the Vols in the SEC, averaged about 5.8 points, 2.4 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Good defender, 37% shooter from deep. He is going to be a guy that we could possibly lean on as maybe a third guard in a three-guard lineup if you're going to go that way for the starters, which I think at this point looks likely. Um, Passner is going to go with shooters in one post. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, the other is they also get, you know, I mean, this may be a cop out as far as key additions go, but getting Curtis Hayward, the second back, Kurt gone bad, um, from a leg injury. Now, you know, he's got a rod and a couple screws in his leg. Now, um, he was able to have a stress reaction identified in his leg before he ended up like Paul George or like Kevin Ware from Louisville a couple years ago, uh, played 15 games last year. Um, in the games, uh, number three through seven, he averaged 11.6 points per game, was really coming into his own. He can actually flat-out shoot the ball. I believe I said last year that if I was going to teach somebody how to shoot, I would teach them the technique and the, and the form that Curtis Haywood the second has. To me, it's just flawless, high release, squares up his body, gets it off quick. He shot 37% from deep last year as a true freshman um, before being obviously hampered by injuries. I mean, he was limping around for a couple games before he actually shut it down for a few weeks, I think. And I think he came back and then he shut it down for good. So, you know, it's kind of a, uh, everything that can go wrong for Curtis did last year, but he's going to be a major part uh, of what the Jackets do this year. And moving forward, I think he's a really good player. He's an all around player. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be, I, you know, without going overboard, Possibly an all-time favorite for a lot of people by the time that he leaves Georgia Tech and moves on from Atlanta. Now, you know, I, t- I talk about, um, you know, Shambari Phillips, I think, is going to be, you know, going back to him a little bit, is going to be critical for these guys, especially early on, because for a couple reasons, he's an upperclassman. Uh, this team's backcourt is kind of young, or um, I don't know how a nice way to say this, you know, you got guys like Brandon Alston, who he played in the ACC last year. He had times where he was effective, but in reality, he's kind of a bit player. You know what I mean? He's a he's a nice player when he's dialed in, but, but you know the problem is he's not dialed in very often. And um, I'm not sure he's an ACC caliber player where Shambari Phillips fits that mold a little bit better. I think you'll see more of Phillips, less of Alston this year, at least when when Hayward and Alvarado uh, get fully back, which, you know, fully back from what? Five reasons I have Georgia Tech at number 14. First one is, and this is kind of speculative on my part, is a lack of proven shooters. Now, you just heard me say that there are some people on this team that can shoot. Haywood can shoot, and DeVoe has a label of being a great shooter, or at least potentially a great shooter, and certainly one of the best shooters in the 2018 class. But I wouldn't call anyone on this team a knockdown shooter. Okay, Jose Alvarado was a good shooter. Okay, shot 37% as a freshman. Haywood shot 37% as a freshman. DeVoe certainly has the capability to shoot 37 to 40% as a freshman. Um, Shimbari Phillips is a 37% career shooter. 37% is nice. Josh Pastner said in uh, the media recently that he'd like to see a lot of these guys shoot 43%. He thinks that's it. the winning number. That's the number that um, 
that's going to make GT successful is 43%. And he thinks that's an attainable number, and that's what he wants them to shoot. I don't think there's any way in hell those guys are going to shoot 43%, all of them. I think Haywood can shoot 43%. I think DeVoe can shoot 43%. Um, after that, I, I don't see it. This is a team last year that with Josh Okoge on the team, who is a 38 39% career three-point shooter, only shot 31.8%. Now, that includes Tadrick Jackson's 27%. So, as far as the team three-point percentage goes, addition by subtraction, maybe, with Tadrick. With Tadrick leaving and a guy like Shimbari Phillips coming in, that's that's a 10% difference from Tadrick to Shimbari. So, that will bring you up a little bit. Does that bring you know the team average up to 40%? No. No, I don't think so. And... You know, to be perfectly honest, Jose Alvarado didn't have a reputation as a great shooter coming into Georgia Tech. 37%, I thought, seemed a little high for him by a few percentage points, but he's also a very hard worker. Now, what I worry about now is I believe that the elbow that Alvarado broke last year is his right is his right dominant hand. So I wonder how that will actually affect him and how he's rehabbed that to get that stroke back and, and to get to get that shooting motion back. Just another question mark. Um, second reason that I have Georgia Tech in the 14 spot is the loss of Ben Lammers cannot be stressed enough. Okay, this is this is the linchpin of this program for the last 60 games. Okay, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year 2016-17 uh, averaged more than 35 minutes per game in his final two seasons. What big man in the country does that? Okay, hardly any. Hardly any at all. Uh, anchors both Georgia Tech's defense you know, both obviously defensively, the guy averaged three blocks a game over the, the last 60 games of his career, as well as being the, the center point, you know, most programs in the country right now, obviously college basketball is a guard driven model right now. Georgia Tech not being strong in Lammers junior year and having inexperience at the point in his senior year decided to use him because he's a good passer out of the post or out of the high post to use him as a guy who initiates their offense and does a majority of the decision-making in their offense. I mean, he's the center point of the offense. He's the anchor of the defense. He plays 36 minutes a game. Um, you can make an argument that his loss will be felt more than Josh Okogie's loss. And I don't think that's I don't think that's speaking in hyperbole at all. Um, this kid was basically everything that that Georgia Tech and Josh Pastner represented in Pastner's first two years. Just the style of play, the grind that out play. You know, he can he was a knockdown shooter from the free throw line. You know, his senior year he was hampered by injuries and you know lower body injuries most of the season, as well as some funky offensive um, uh, switches and changes that they made to the offense that I really didn't understand and I was kind of critical of. Um, you know, and his replacement, who, who's 80 gay, has a hard time staying out of foul trouble, fr quite frankly, has a hard time keeping his fucking mouth shut sometimes. And while gay has made huge strides in his offensive game the last few years, or especially last year compared to his first two years, um, there's no way he's ever going to play 30 minutes a game, never mind 36 minutes a game. I think if you get 23 to 26 quality minutes out of AD every night, you're doing well because I think he's going to be in foul trouble. He sometimes gets lippy with the refs and lippy with some uh, uh, opponents. And I just, you know, he's, this is his year to shine. 
I, he's the guy right now. He's the post player. He's the guy that came after Ben Lammers. And as far as Georgia Tech fans go right now, you might as well be Josh Passner following John Calipari at Memphis because Lammers is beloved. And there is an expectation from the big man in this program right now that AD Gay better focus up because he's got an opportunity to be one or the other. Um, the guy who came after Ben Lammers or the guy who never showed up after Ben Lammers left. And he has the ability, um, when he gets on the block in his junior year, this year that just passed, when he gets on the block, when he turns over his left shoulder, he's got a, he's got a hook shot from six, eight feet out, that's, or six feet out, that's money. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, and he can stay on the court, and he can keep his mouth shut and remain focused, he's got a, he's got a good opportunity to be a player that Georgia Tech fans really like. Um, the third reason that I have Georgia Tech at number 14 is the dependence on the development of Moses Wright and Evan Cole, which if you don't know who those two players are, there's two freshmen that uh, I guess we'll call them developmental freshmen that uh, signed last year. They were freshmen last year, so they're sophomores this year. Uh, two of Josh Passner's first recruits. Uh, Wright and Cole, you know, they both showed flashes of brilliance at times last year against some lesser competition. Um, Wright is... Kind of, a, actually, they're both kind of an all over the court players. Um, they can play the, you know, they can play the five, but they're playing the stretch five. Okay, they're not back to the basket guys by any means. Um, I think Moses has the opportunity to be a pretty good um, rim defender, but it hasn't really shown up yet. Um, he struggles against guys that are athletic. You know, they're you know when we play the at a conference schedule, he is more athletic than those guys, and he shows out. Um, Evan is a guy that, you know, kind of depends on a little bit more hustle plays and desire plays, technique plays, really good rebounder. You know, he's a, he's a, a guy that rebounds on desire. He's going to outwork you. Okay. Whereas Moses is still, you know, the kid that hasn't played a whole lot of organized basketball, but his measurables are good and he is talented. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Well, with, again, going back to Ben Lammers with his graduation, you know, one of these two guys, has to step up because one of them is either going to play the four when Georgia Tech wants to go big or they're going to play the five when AD gets in foul trouble or they're going to have to play together when AD gets in foul trouble and Passner wants to go big. So, you know, Moses, I think, has the game where you could put him in the high post. He just needs to work on his decision-making and he needs to work on that mid-range game. Uh, there's some Georgia Tech fans that think that he can develop a three-point game. I don't see it. I think he only made three last year, something like that. I don't know. I, I, don't quote me on that. We could look it up, but I don't want to. Um, Moses, I think you put him in the high post, improve his decision-making, give him the opportunity to take those shots that Ben Lammers was knocking down his junior year, and I think Moses can thrive in that position. Uh, item number four on why I have Georgia Tech in the number 14 spot is I don't really know where... <laughs> Uh, Jose Alvarado and Curtis Haywood the second are in regards to their recoveries. I heard that when Haywood came back, he was very bad, but has since looked very good. Um, and I also heard that Alvarado, when he came out of the sling, he had a baby arm, <laughs> whereas he lost you know muscle mass and strength in his arm. Which I mean, you can't work it out when you break your arm in half. So you know he's had to he's had to work that back. I wonder how that's going to affect his shot. As I said earlier. You know, Pastner's best two players, Alvarado and Haywood, uh, both making a return from significant injuries. And I say his best two players because I firmly believe that. And I think that's 
and I say it definitively because I know Michael DeVoe is supposed to be very good, but right now if I had to pick two guys that I'm going to move forward with, I'm probably taking Jose and Curtis. Uh, I think Curtis is a breakout candidate, I think, with his shooting ability as well as his ability to get after it as well as rebound. Um, there's going to be a large gap for Georgia Tech in the rebounding department. Obviously, with Lammers gone, I think 80 is going to pick up a good bit of that. I don't think he's going to average 80 game, but I'm thinking five and a half or six. But also remember that Josh Kogi is one of the best rebounding guards that I've probably ever seen at Georgia Tech. Now, when I say ever, that goes back to, what, 94? You know, I'm not, I'm not a guy that's going to tell you what Bruce Dalrymple did back in the day. I don't know. I didn't watch him play. But as far as guys that I've seen, Josh Kogi rebounded the ball better than any guard I think I've ever seen at Georgia Tech. And, you know, at six and a half a game out of the two spot... I think Curtis has the ability to cover some of that ground. I think, yeah, yeah, he averaged three and a half last year. I think averaging five and a half is certainly within the realm of possibilities. And, you know, if Georgia Tech's going to be successful on the defensive glass, I think that's a number that he needs to hit. And judging by the way he played when he was at Brewster Academy on a national championship team at the prep level, I, I don't, I'm not worried about that at all. I think Curtis has has that ability, and I think he's got that kind of game where he can step in and, and make those numbers up in a Kogi's absence. Um, you know, as far as Alvarado goes, Jose is a guy that had the balls to step over Joel Berry in Chapel Hill last year, and maybe one of the most underrated seasons of anybody in the ACC last year. I mean, this kid averaged 12 points, 3.5 rebounds, 3 assists, and shot 37% from deep. Um he is the face of Georgia Tech basketball right now, and G Tech fans have to be somewhat nervous because it's a pretty gruesome injury um, about his recovery and where he's at. Reports are good right now. I haven't seen him play. Um, we haven't, or I say we. I hate people that say we, and I keep saying we. I'm not part of the Georgia Tech program. I'm just a fan of the program. But, you know, G Tech didn't go to any foreign countries this year or anything like that. They didn't play, you know, in the Bahamas or in Canada or anything like that. Um, so it, we're just kind of seeing things there I go with the wee shit again, uh, seeing stuff on Instagram and Twitter and, and, and stuff like that. And of course, all that stuff's positive. I mean, it's all washed by, you know, some, you know, 22 year old social media guru that's trying to put the best, most, uh, positive product out there. But I'm really interested to see what Jose does, uh, this coming fall. Of course, you know, we still got what, three weeks till the, the season officially starts and, Two months until we actually play any games. So I think Jose will be fine. I'm just worried about him getting that stroke back as well as any confidence that he may have lost in that arm. You know, he's, he's got a player that plays a lot of swagger and puts himself out there, plays hard, 100% all the time. You can't give 110% because it's a 0 to 100 scale. So 100%, 110% is fucking retarded. But he gives 100% all the time. He's got swagger. I hope he's remaining confident, and I look forward to seeing him be uh, the leader and the face of this program moving forward. I just hope that he's fully recovered. Um, in the fifth part, hold on. <clears throat> the fifth part that I worry about with Georgia Tech and the reason, one of the main reasons I have them finishing 14th is what will this offense look like with without Tavares Hardy? Which some of you are saying, who's Tavares Hardy? Tavares Hardy is one of the first uh, assistants that Coach Josh Passner hired when he came to Atlanta. He is a Northwestern alum, and he recently took the head coaching spot at Loyola, Maryland. Uh, Hardy was, you know, a key part as far as the game planning goes for G Tech. And if you watch G Tech in Passner's first season, 
you would notice a lot of the play going through Ben Lammers, like I talked about at the high poster on the block. Last year, with the development of A.D. Gay, they tried to go two bigs in the middle, uh, you know, late, the late part of the early part of the season, if that makes any sense, and the middle of the season, the offense just looked terrible at, at some times, and they tried to go two bigs. They tried to put um, Lammers at the high post and Gay at the low post, and they were kind of running through Gay. And Lammers was kind of a man without a country. He was left out on the perimeter a lot. Um, he ended up shooting a couple threes every now and then. It just looked really awkward. And then later on in the season, uh, Hardy put a game plan together. I can't remember which game it was, but, you know, AD ended up sitting down. And then all of a sudden, Ben Lammers just looked like a man possessed again. He looked like a, his junior year again. And that trend continued the less that AD played. Now, I'm not taking anything away from AD. He played very well at times last year. But Ben Lammers needed to be on the court for Georgia Tech, and he needed to be effective last year. Uh, Because, you know, this is a kid that reportedly struggled with some confidence issues as far as Lammers goes. And when you start taking the ball out of his hands and start giving his looks to this this up-and-comer and during your senior season, you know, that maybe shook him a little bit. Plus, he's dealing with injuries that have to affect his confidence as well. But when they took AD out... And started moving Ben, you know, like the queen piece on the chessboard. You know, he's got all the moves. And started putting him all over the court. You could see it come back. You could see the player that he was. And that was all the brainchild of Tavares Hardy coming up with these game plans. Or at least that's the way it was reported. Now, they bring in Anthony Wilkins to take Tavares' place. Or I say Tavares like I know him. Like he's my neighbor. Coach Hardy, okay? They bring Anthony Wilkins in to replace Coach Hardy. And... I want to say I don't know. I don't know. He's an assistant coach out of Tulane. He's associated with Stackhouse Elite. He was on the Kent State team that went to the Elite Eight in the, I don't know a while back. So you know, good pedigree there. Now, I worry about this about Coach Hardy leaving. But one thing that's nice is that Anthony Wilkins actually came up with game planning during his time at Tulane, working for Coach Mike Dunleavy Sr. So if Mike Dunleavy Sr has the confidence in Anthony Wilkins to do his game planning for him, who the hell am I to question it? Am I right? Okay. So I I wonder, because Wilkins hasn't spent as much time around these kids as Hardy did, but at the same time, Anthony Wilkins seems like he's a pretty sharp dude. I don't think he's going to have a problem. I'm just worried about how the game plan changes, Um, especially you got, you know, all kinds of new new players coming in. There's a lot of turnover on this roster this year. It's going to be certainly interesting. Uh, I think Tavares Hardy was a really good coach, and I was not shocked when he got the nod to go to a head coaching gig, and I wish him nothing but the best. All right, so, you know, not the, you know, not a lot of great things um, that I can say for this program. Not a a whole lot of reason for upside, right? Well, there is an upside. Uh, The upside here is that recruiting is starting to pick up, and Passner appears to be on the verge of kind of putting together a very good 2019 class. Um, I wrote about the, the, the class that he's trying to put together at gtswarm.com. If you want to head over there and look at that, some of the official visits that Georgia Tech has lined up for just September alone. September of 2019 alone, GTech is getting officials from some guys that are just, they're, they're program changers. And I think that if Passner is able to identify high-character guys that embrace academics and he's he can live up to his recruiting um kind of prodigy label that he earned during his time at memphis 
then I think that that's a reason for GTAC fans to be excited. Um, he seems to also be coming, you know, he, he, he's, Passner's also coming out the other side of a nasty off-court scandal in which I think that he has been pretty well vindicated. I mean, I don't think there's any question that these two people that are trying to slander him are basically just trying to extort him. And I think that Josh Passner is the obvious victim of extortion. I think that was an obvious um, point of distraction last year on this program, having you know a couple kids on the roster that were associated with this dipshit out in Arizona. And those two players are gone. Um, Passner has basically been vindicated. Um, if you pay attention to that, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I'm not really going to bring any light to it. Let's just say there have been numerous instances where it's come to light that these people are lying and now they're just kind of treading water and they're trying to, you know, it's a money grab situation is basically what it boils down to. And I don't think anybody's really surprised by that. The third thing that uh, attributes to why I think there's upside in Atlanta is the change from Russell athletic to Adidas can't be understated at all. Um, I don't know why it matters. I can't remember when I was 17, 18, if it would matter to me. But apparel companies really matter to kids. The the uniforms, the shoes, the headbands, the warm-ups, everything that you wear in these D1 programs is influential in the decision that these kids make in order to attend your school. Now, regardless of what this NCAA committee is putting together, the shoe companies still have a great deal of influence on recruits through AAU. Or actually, I shouldn't say AAU is a different organization. I'll say through grassroots programs. Um, you know, if you play on a, on a Nike-sponsored team that plays in a Nike-sponsored event, you're going to rub elbows with people from Nike who are going to seem like the smartest guys in the room because when it comes to how you know things get done at college recruiting, they probably are the smartest guys in the room. And I still think that their influence is huge amongst these kids. I don't think a whole lot is going to change as far as what is the dirty part of recruiting. Now, that can help you as long as you don't get your hands too dirty, okay? Um, Russell Athletic wasn't doing anything for Georgia Tech on the recruiting trail, but Adidas certainly has the influence to, I mean, just just having Adidas on your uniform is, is doing more for you than what Russell Athletic ever did for you. And I think that Russ, uh, Adidas's uh, presence in Atlanta, um, they have the, uh, what I think it's the, what is it, the Speed Lab or something in Atlanta, which is really cool, um, where they test out new gear and things like that. That's going to be something cool for kids to check out on official visits. Um, you know, they are, Adidas is moving a lot of its operations to the, the, the Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area. And I think that's going to work in Georgia Tech's favor a great deal. It's a technology-based company that is associated with a technology-based school. And I think that's really going to help them. And that's why I think there is upside with this Georgia Tech program. I was not a believer in Josh Passner when he first got there. I am a believer now. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he represents the university well. And I think Georgia Tech has reason to be excited uh, for the next three to five years as far as where their program could end up under Josh Passner. Don't forget to like, rate, review, share uh, the ACC Basketball Report. When I tweet this out, if you like the show, like it and tweet it out to all your followers. Okay, Let's get the word out. Let's get some advertising going on here so I can bring this podcast to you more often, bigger, better than ever. Um, I'm working on some stuff. Check out my stuff on gtswarm.com for Georgia Tech fans. Check out my stuff on Slap the Sign for Notre Dame fans. And 
yeah, I'm going to save some other stuff for later. I got some stuff coming up, but I'll make that official probably at the end of what's this weekend. Nah, it'll be two weekends, two weekends from now. I may have an announcement for you guys and uh, it could be pretty significant and I'm really excited about it. So ACCBasketballReport.com. I need to continue the returnees list, the top 25 returnees to the ACC. I've been slacking on that for about a month and a half. And I apologize for it. I've got the list done. I've got the research done. I just got to write the damn things up. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Again, like, rate, review, share, comments, questions, uh, accbasketballreport at gmail.com. We'll do a mailbag session if you guys send me some shit. All right? Cool. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend.